the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, September 8th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Open line Friday. Anything on your mind, whatever you want to talk about. Love to have you. Love to have you weigh in. I've got uh, Mr. David Dahl in my producer's chair facing uh, me just uh, west of here. 602-5089-60. The breaking news from NBC is that Gavin Newsom says he won't run in 2024 and calls Kamala Harris the natural successor to Joe Biden. As Aaron Ginn points out, this is coming from the man that closed schools while sending his kids to anti-lockdown state and didn't tell anyone to an anti-lockdown state and didn't tell anyone. Gavin Newsom is also the man in that famous Adam Carolla interview who maintained the chronic homeless problem was was a result of a hard economy from people losing their jobs and that the welfare rules hit every part of the population similarly, as he put special emphasis on why we needed to pay more more and more attention to African Americans and refused to say why, because, again, everyone was doing equally poorly. The point is here, you can't believe him, literally, just as it was hard to take seriously Kamala Harris blasting Joe Biden for opposing the policies that helped young African American girls in the 19. 19- 70s, like precisely herself, when she was debating him for the nomination of the presidency, only to then laugh her way through saying it was a debate when she accepted the supposed racist's offer to join the ticket. Because power. And seemingly that was just fine with everyone. A laugh and a toss-away line, cackle, it was a debate, and all was forgiven. As if accusations of racism are that meaningless. And as if saying that accusation to the accused's face in public debate is even more meaningless. These are the games that get played. Back to the issue of facts, just not mattering anymore. Meanwhile, it was charming to see a news story in the Arizona Republic yesterday, speaking of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the investigations into them, where in the news story, one found this line, quote, despite any evidence of Joe Biden's wrongdoing, close quote despite there being any evidence of Joe Biden's wrongdoing. One sometimes has to wonder if people who write for newspapers actually know the news, or if they know the news and deliberately distort it. And I'm not sure which is worse, invincible ignorance married to factual and intellectual incuriosity, or a deliberate use of the perch of a news organization that views itself as in the service of propaganda. C.S. Lewis, of course, colligated how one leads to the other when he wrote, to deprive children of accuracy and fact is to leave them susceptible to propaganda as adults. And I'm wondering if that isn't what the newspaper thinks we all are, its children. We were speaking a week or so ago about a Karl Rove piece claiming things have been worse and more divisive in America than just now. And he identified the violence and the roilings of the 1960s. But there were two things true then, not true now. 
The schools, from elementary to higher education, produced Democrats to be sure, but they were Democrats like Hubert Humphrey and John Kennedy, people who loved America. And we all in America at the same time generally and overwhelmingly disdained socialism and communism. Today, those ideologies vie for the minds and win the minds of our youth and for power in Congress as much as in state houses across the country. Second, we had a media that, while liberal, was generally fair. Quis custodiat ipsos custodes. That's the Latin phrase from the Roman, Roman poet Juvenal who is asking, who shall govern the governors? I was always supposed to be the media. The press was almost always seen as inherently, from the beginning, not only skeptical of government policies, reports, statements, politicians, versions of fact and truth, but also unrelenting in its investigation and reporting on all of the above. This was, of course, true during the Palmer era, as it was the McCarthy era. This was true of Vietnam, and it was true of the excesses of the CIA gauging in domestic surveillance and political operations in the 1970s. Today, the government can raise the idea of disinformation and misinformation boards, and the media says nothing. Instead, it works with the government to censor stories unhelpful to one political party. Years passed, whenever the government tried to silence the press or invoke silence in the name of national security, First Amendment lawyers and the media would generally and instinctively see things like, well, whenever you hear the government invoke national security, you know a crime is being committed or a lie is being told. That was probably going too far. It, of course, was not always true. But that was the operational sentiment of lawyers who cared about the First Amendment and the media which embraced it. And then something changed, which is why it is worse now than in any of the historical excesses we learned about in school. What changed is the media, the press, became handmaidens of the government when the government was run by the Democratic Party. You may recall what created online social news media in the first place. Remember who and how that all started? Matt Drudge. And you may want to recall what made him famous. The media spiking a story from the Washington Post and Newsweek, scuttling, canceling a story about Bill Clinton's sex scandal with Monica Lewinsky. Drudge took it and ran with it. And the rest of the media was forced to catch up. But they didn't like doing it. And they didn't like being overruled by a one-man operation with a dial-up modem and a felt hat and no editors. And as schools of journalism caught up to every other kind of professional school, like law schools and schools of education, the point was to educate not in any neutral and equal effort, but on outcomes, decidedly political and ideological outcomes, left-wing outcomes. We didn't used to go to school and learn mathematics or geography or philosophy or literature for the sake of their political outcome we could impose on that teaching of geography or literature or philosophy. We sought to learn those things because they were goods in themselves with the notion that students and graduates would form their own beliefs about concepts ideological, concepts political, that the learning of those things was the end in and of itself that would give you a good baseline to adapt and live and make mature 
decisions for yourself about your country and about the world. That's not what's and that's not how that material is taught anymore. It's highly censored, it's highly filtered, it's highly subjected, and it's highly directional in one political ideological way. Same too with newsrooms. We used to get the news under the banner, all the news that's fit to print, or democracy dies in darkness, or that the First Amendment is our guardian to keep the press free so that the press can report to the people so that they can remain free to keep the government honest. Let the facts stand for what the facts stand for and let people make their own decisions. That's as little true now in the media as it is in the way I described how it's become in education. Highly fixed, highly, excuse me, highly subjected, highly filtered news is what you get for one ideological direction, which is why they can drop in little lines here when they report on the Bidens, especially when they report on Hunter Biden in the context of Joe Biden with that little secondary clause attached to it about whom no wrongdoing has been found. That's how it's done. And that's why nobody in the media will hold Gavin Newsom or Kamala Harris accountable for any of the things they say today that may not be true tomorrow or in a week. In fact, let's lay down a marker together, shall we? Let's plant a little flag on this notion. I suspect we should all be prepared for Kamala Harris right about now, or maybe starting this weekend, to be getting that positive media makeover she's been waiting for so long. I bet you're going to see some push-positive articles about Kamala Harris, as more and more in the media realize they have a Joe Biden problem going into 2024. Just a few thoughts. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Open lines Friday. Your show, anything you want to talk about, we're here for you. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Looking at your Twitter feed, Mr. Dahl, it looks like you're happy about the deli that has returned. You here. betcha I am. That was my local haunt. <laughs> underscore David underscore Dahl, like a doll. Um, and we were just talking about bagels yesterday with Sam Stone. And you found that your favorite place is reopened, and you sent a picture. Here in our, uh, in our complex, yes, the little, the little pickle has reopened, and it is now uh, they're serving food out of the back of the Merc Bar. So if you're familiar with the Merc Bar, folks, you should visit it. You know, the problem is probably in the branding. Yeah, I think it's only a morning thing, too. It's kind of funny. They're doing like the morning is the deli, and then the afternoon and evening will be your normal cocktail hour. <laughs> but to my point, I uh-huh. think the problem is in the branding, which <laughs> which is calling itself the little pickle. I, I That's not what you want. For a deli, that's what they called me in high school. They—that's not what they—that's <laughs> not what you want. I mean, my gosh, we just went through a week of mem- of of memorializing Jimmy Buffett. It's a big kosher pickle and a cold draft beer. Which way, almighty? Which way, almighty? Do I steer? Which way, God Almighty? Do I steer? It's a big kosher. It's a big pickle you want. You don't want a little gherkin pickle. That's not deli. 
you don't want a sweet little gherkin. That's the problem. They need to be calling themselves the big pickle. I don't even know if they have pickles anymore. To Good be God Almighty, which way do I steer? That's the lyric. What? I said, I don't even know if they have pickles anymore in this uh Well, that's another problem. The so they, another point that facts don't matter. It was a You can just say anything. Yeah. Joe Biden is a racist who made it hard for me to go to school. Yes, I'll be his vice president. Gavin Newsom saying he's not going to run for president. The homeless crisis is people who lost their jobs. And the welfare problem affects every race the same way. But we have to pay special attention to the African. The facts just don't matter anymore. So you can't even get a pickle at the little pickle? Not right now. Does do words <laughs> mean nothing anymore? I you know what? Yeah, they do not. <laughs> well, so if I can this was covered probably a little bit earlier in the week, but I wanted to get to and it's in my file of things to get to. Eric Adams gave this speech. Did you see this? The mayor of New York gave this speech in New York City mm-hmm. about the migrant crisis. Can I play just a bit of it? Please. Because you give a speech like that, and you then wonder how long it's going to take before the ladies of The View or before the immigration activists or before the political left that brought you to power makes you retract it all. And there's only a very few handful of people who have stood by their strong comments when they make strong comments. And um, this was pretty strong. Let's review Eric Adams. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10 thousand migrants a month one time we were just in venezuela now we get ecuador now we get russian speaking coming through mexico now we get uh, western africa now we get people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into new york city and everyone is saying it's new york city's problem Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. All of us. And so I say to you, as I turn it over to you, this is some some of the most educated, some of the most knowledgeable, probably more of my commissioners and deputy commissioners and chiefs, live in this community. So as you ask me a question about migrants, tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of you were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do and they're destroying New York City? It's gonna come to your neighborhoods. All of us are gonna be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. Well, okay, a couple thoughts. Sure, you can listen to Eric Adams today on this thing, on this issue of illegal immigration. Or you could have listened to almost any Republican for the last 15 to 20 years. 
and gotten it right. Eric Adams asks, what role did you play in helping me out on this? I can tell him the answer. His predecessor, Bill de Blasio, when he was mayor in 2015, redeclared New York City to be a sanctuary city. Eric Adams presided over a situation as mayor, as the incumbent mayor, where immigrants could vote in elections in New York until a court had to stop that notion. And he was welcoming of the fact that New York State and bragging over the fact that New York State and his city were sanctuary states and cities. It's very convenient to make this most basic of trite points to say we will be outliers from the federal law and we will disobey federal law and we will engage in nullification when those when those cowboys down in Texas are the only ones who have to feel it or those second cousins to America down in Arizona have to feel it. Very easy for us to say this. Very easy for us to beat up on ICE and border enforcement and Donald Trump's concept of restricting illegal immigration. Very easy for us when we don't have the problem you guys down in the Southwest do. And when we were claiming and giving speeches just like this, just like this, we got the sanctimonious sneer from mayors and citizens of New York until the problem came to them, until the problem came to them. Reminded of that line from, uh, from Victor Hugo, Les Mis, Les Miserables, of the old revolutionary who says, the storm was coming for years. You saw the clouds for years. And you're blaming the thunderclap? You're blaming the thunderclap? Yeah. They did this to themselves. And it only took about two days for the headline, New York City's shelter system and education system has been especially overwhelmed, but Mayor Eric Adams has sought to reassure parents and community groups that the city's 1900 schools are well prepared to welcome migrant children into the classroom. Well... Which Eric Adams do you believe? The one from 48 hours ago or the one from Friday? Does anything matter anymore? 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I played you, uh, well, this is, <laughs> this is sort of interesting, sort of interesting. Just to show you how the mind of the left works, uh, Anna Navarro on the view in response to Mayor Eric Adams' uh, complaints about the migrant crisis, the illegal immigrant crisis in New York. She said, direct quote, this is not a federal problem. This is not an American problem. This is a regional problem. This is a world problem. And I think it takes everybody sitting together and not being performative. Could an eighth grader get away with saying that? Could an eighth grader get away with saying this is a regional problem, this is a world problem? Could an eighth grader get away with saying this is not a federal problem, this is not an American problem? Of course it is. Of course it is. That's why we have federal law on the issue. 
That's why this is the job of presidents. This is why presidents talk about it. This is why there are customs and border. This is why there is immigration and customs enforcement. This is why those two agencies are part of the federal government. This is why the president sues the governors in states like Texas and Arizona when they try and do something when the federal government won't act. Immigration is a federal issue. And I don't know how you can have a regional problem and then say in the next sentence, this is a world problem. I mean, honestly, they will just say anything. Did any of you, by the way, I was playing Eric Adams. We should play Republicans when they distinguish themselves. Uh, Did you see Ron DeSantis at his press conference yesterday? He was holding a press conference on COVID and... uh, Someone in the audience tried to attack him on uh, verbally. Sorry, I didn't make clear a verbal attack uh, uh, on him uh, on all these crazy left wing notions. This was Ron DeSantis really, you know, at his best. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, you never know if there's one thing that you're going to see some fight in someone that re re ups their campaign or re ups the interest in the campaign. It is, of course, true that he is one of the least spoken about Republican nominees for the presidency over the past, well, ever since the debate, isn't it? Everything now is about Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy, isn't it? You just don't hear much about Ron DeSantis. And part of it is because he's been off the campaign trail dealing with Florida. You want me to take this call? Can I take this call? No? Yes? No? It's not ready? All right. We'll take the call in a moment. I'll give you Ron DeSantis. Guy says, thank you for your service. I'm in the military. Okay, thank you for your service. I asked him what service. I'm an American that didn't agree with all your policies. You are hurting people, he says, and you are causing the death of people like those who were murdered a couple of weeks ago. First of all, uh, I did not allow anything with that. Well, listen, excuse me, I'm not going to let you accuse me of committing criminal activity. I am not going to take that. He should have been he should have been ruled ineligible, but they didn't involuntarily commit him. And so they No no I don't no no there is the truth. There is something about the truth. It's not everyone doesn't have their own truth. I just think, you know, it goes on from there, but when the guy says, let me finish with my truth, and Ron DeSantis interrupts him and says, no, 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 there is only the, the truth. Again, to this point of do facts matter, that may be the underlying—you know how we talk about every presidential campaign kind of has a putting to it a theme, an, under, well, an, an, you know, an underlying theme to each of them every four years? Um, I wonder if that might be the theme for 2024— you know, when you have the party that is so committed to notions of my truth and my story and, you know, someone like Kamala Harris is out stalking the land along with, you know, 
Marianne Williamson, Oprah Winfrey, kind of uh, Michelle Obama talk, and the kinds of things teachers are saying on libs of TikTok about my truth, my truth, my truth. I wonder if that might be the underlying theme of the 2024 campaign, the truth versus my truth. It might be. We'll think about it. All right, 602-5089-60. Be right back. You like how he walks down the neck of that guitar there? Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, open line Friday, 602-508-0960. What's your political pin today, David? Well, we were speaking of New York City, and yeah. I didn't plan this, yeah. but it says, let's clean house with Dewey. Oh, okay. All right. And so, uh, you know, New York City could do to, to clean up and— uh, It's just a, yeah, the yeah. consanguinity of all living things. It's not co- coincidence. Are you wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Are you still celebrating Jimmy— Buffett's life? Am I not allowed to wear tropical shirts anymore? I love it. Having, I'm all for it. Without I'm, having to look like a Jimmy Buffett I, album cover? <laughs> I'm I'm all for it. Yeah. It's good. But you just wore a Hawaiian shirt just because you wore a Hawaiian shirt. I just shirt. wore a Hawaiian shirt. Or is it a Fiji today, shirt? Yeah. Or is it a Tahitian shirt? Actually, if you want to get real technical, this is a uh, Japanese cotton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, very, yeah. very nice. Okay. <laughs> I All think right. the pin refers to uh, Dewey's uh, trust busting, or not trust busting, sorry, a mob yeah. Busting activities. Yeah, that's right. But uh, Thomas mm. E. Dewey. Um, I'm cleaning out my audio files, but I heard on the Mike Gallagher show this morning. You you got to love this. Who's our caller, Doug? Who always is talking? I think he was on yesterday talking about wanting fighters. You know, we need fighters. Doug and Maricopa, I think. And um, <laughs> there there's some beeps in here, but uh, I'm just rebroadcasting what Mike did. Mike Gallagher did this morning. He listened to this. I think he said, "I want to marry this woman." This it's it's just it's worth listening to. Bear with. Or definition of insanity: voting for the same party over and over and over again, expecting this a different result. Well, here's the good news. I think even New Yorkers are fed up. Here's a woman I want you to meet. Now we had to do a lot of editing because. Uh, this young lady uh, <laughs> uh, slings around some F-bombs. So we edited all that out, obviously. I, I, I wish I could ra- I wish I could air it. I wish, I really, not, not that I like a lot of curse words, but it, it reflects the frustration, the passion, the exasperation that New Yorkers are feeling. This is a woman just went on TikTok, uh, you know, at Calliope813. And she's a New Yorker just letting loose with reacting to what Eric Adams, Joe Biden, and the dirty Democrats have done to the city of New York. New York parents, you keep making noise, okay? Because this governor does not give a about our kids, okay? They said, listen kids come to school you cannot turn them away based on their immigration status they don't speak english you need to find somebody who can speak their language i'm sorry what did you just say because i'll tell you right now when my kids went to school every time i had to register a kid i needed a mortgage paper i needed a tax bill i needed utility bills birth certificates vaccination records okay my kids had to be up to date on their polio on their mmr on their dpt on their Pavo and rabies like that, okay? Now you don't let all these kids in the school that have nothing. So I had to protect everybody else's kids. I had to follow all these rules. But now I'm just going to throw it out to the wayside because you have a little bit of a 
crisis? No. No, it doesn't work like that. You know what else doesn't work? What else doesn't work is that I have a vehicle that is licensed and registered and insured. You got all these little electric things, these scooters, these mopeds that have nothing. And they're being used all over the city because the migrants have to learn how to make money. They have to be able to deliver food. They have to be able to run errands with what money. I have no idea. However, what happens when one of these little mopeds hits my car and they don't have insurance? Who's going to pay that? Me? Of course I am. I'm not going to drive around in a piece of car, okay? This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And you know where it starts? It starts at the top with Bobo, okay? You know, the non-mask wearing. I don't give a about a veteran. I'm going to walk off the stage and I'm a complete moron. So Harris is going to be president. That guy, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. But parents, like I said, you keep going because even the most liberal parents out there that I've seen are pissed, are pissed. We had to stay in a district that we pay taxes in, and now our schools are a nightmare. It's a show. It all goes. It doesn't matter. You know what? When your kid starts coming home with measles and polio, remember a couple years ago, that was a big thing. It's coming back. It's coming back. Hope is a moron. I want to marry her. (laughs) There is that frustration that is building. I guess that is what animated Eric Adams to say what he said two days ago, only now to have to retract it today. Do remember, do remember that Eric Adams justified non-citizens voting in elections in New York State. Do remember that. Do remember. He... Double down on New York City being a sanctuary city, or what we should call a nullification city. And now the problem is there. And now the problem is not just ours, it's everyone's. It's everyone's. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I something tells me, something tells me that whoever the Republican nominee is, they're probably not actually going to see more popular votes out of New York State than they got in the last, I don't know, several elections, give or take. Something tells me that. First of all, I think a lot, a lot of people have left New York. A lot. I don't think that I know it. A lot of people have left New York. But second, there's this weird thing that goes on. And it's it's one of the greatest curiosities of our time. I think we should call it Bill Maher syndrome, where people will complain about liberal policy number one, and they'll complain about liberal policy number two, and they'll complain about liberal policy number three, and then they'll complain about crazy left-wing policy number one, and then they'll complain about crazy left-wing policy number two, and then they'll complain about crazy left-wing policy number three, and then they'll say, but I will never vote for a Republican. I will never vote for a Republican. I think we should call it Bill Maher syndrome because that's what happens every single time. Dennis Prager was talking a little bit about this this morning, I think, with regard to a caller who he was said he had no patience with or for these people who will make those statements and then vote for the Democratic Party because their view of those three liberal things and those three lefty things, and it could be more than three on each, it, it's, you know, ten on each, their view is, but that's not the Democratic Party they know, and that's not the Democrat they're voting for. 
it doesn't take too much level of sophistication, but it does highlight the importance of the work before us to point out that that is the Democratic Party. That is the Democratic Party. Is there any difference between what a Bernie Sanders White House would look like and this White House? As we were all told, Joe Biden was the moderate. He was the control valve. He was the one who could beat Donald Trump because he wasn't so far left. Is there any difference? Of course not. It's precisely why the image of, you know, Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House would actually support, as the DCCC would actually support the Ilan Omars and Rashida Tlaibs when they had moderates running against them in their primaries. It is the party of the hard arch left. Portions of this show brought to you by Y-Refi. Y-Refi offers a great investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that may be a really good option for you if you're concerned about stock market volatility, if you're concerned about talk of recession, if you're concerned about ongoing inflation, because the Y-Refi investment is not correlated to the Federal Reserve, the Fed, or the stock market. It's an investment in a uh, secure and collateralized portfolio, as I say, where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's a 10.25% fixed rate of return. There's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back at any time, and you'll get a monthly statement with no surprises. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, with absolutely no fees. Think of all that freedom. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. That's 888-YREFI24. Um, they're also based here locally, by the way. You can visit them. They welcome that. Um, they are uh, on Scottsdale Road in the 101. And you won't get a sales pitch. 888-YREFI24. What were you telling me you're making tonight, David? <laughs> I said I'm going to have to send you a video of the osabuco that I'm making tonight. Have you ever made one? No. Have you? I've never made one. No. It was one of my dad's favorite things. It was darn near hard to find veal in the city, though, so I had to switch, and I'm using a beef shank. Oh, so it's not It's not a veal osabuco. It's a beef shank osabuco. Yeah, it's but a you, beef osabuco. Well, you can't have that. Well, the internet says you can. No, you... I, well, Truth has no meaning anymore. I'm, I'm going right. to have a beef yes. osobuco. Osobuco translates to braised veal. That it, It's what is it's... What you can't have... It, it's like... I don't know what it's like. It's like... A, you can't have it. It's called braised veal Sorry, in English. you have to throw it out. Well, no, just... I say, only spent a day prepping for it. <laughs> it's marinating in my fridge right now as we speak. Just call it an also beef. Also beef. Yeah. Okay, it's an also beef. I'm going to have to send you an also beef. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I bet it'll be Unless good. you want to air freight some veal to me overnight. No, I don't want to air freight veal to you overnight. Um, but I do want to um, I do want to tell you what we're doing next hour. 602-508-0960. It is open lines. I want to talk to you about liberal law professor 
Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe and a major takedown on him. He's the one who came up with this crazy notion that you can prevent Donald Trump from becoming president based on the 14th Amendment. I want to do something about Randy Weingarten and the teachers unions and what we are now learning, which is even worse than what we thought we knew with regard to what she was doing with school closures. And I want to do something about COVID mitigation and the vindication of Sweden. All of that coming right up, but also your call, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 